A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 72 of Histories of the Unexpected, the show in which we demonstrate that absolutely everything has its own history, like chairs, headlands, or clouds, or pile, mile, trial, pun, the bun, and the hun. Do you know what? I'm totally bored with rhyming now. (laughs) I think we need to stop and think about something new, okay? okay? Something more thematic, like... Ooh, the tangerine, the orange, and the satsuma. Red, white, and blue. Nice. Hot, cold, and warm. <laughs> anything, <laughs> any, anything different. But they're weirdly linked. I think that's the whole point. They're weirdly linked in unexpected ways. We will be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how those links link together in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, Sam, who knew that the history of dogs was about loyalty, domesticity, and the invention of pets? Or... That the history of cats is about violence, the French Revolution, chimneys, and warding off evil spirits. Cats is one of our favourite topics, it is. isn't Your it? Your scare cats. Mmm, it's really good. The man sitting opposite me is the cat in the hat of history. <laughs> Which gives you a clue about what we're doing today. It's Professor Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History at Plymouth University. It's James Daybell. Thank you, Sam, and hello. And the man sitting opposite me is the behatted hero of history. Uh-huh. It is the wonderful, the truly wonderful, the famous historical adventurer, Dr. Sam Willis. Hello, everyone. Um, now we take it in turns to come up with ideas. And this one, I can't remember who came up with this one, actually. But we're going to do the history of hats. Yeah, I think it was a joint thing. Collaboration. Mm. The history of hats. Right, top of your head. Yeah. <laughs> You're a hat man, aren't you? You I'm, normally ha- you normally love your hat. I love hats. Um, I a little used... tweedy hat with a little Devon yep. badge on the back. I've got of a it. kind of a new Devon army badge on the yes. back. And I I have a I now have a variety of hats, but mm. I used to collect hats. Hmm. I don't really. I've never collected anything before apart from hats, and I, I suppose between the ages of about sixteen and twenty three. I had a hat collection. I even had them on kind of um, pegs on my wall. Oh, yeah, I'm very fond of them. Are they nice hats? They were varied, and uh, I didn't wear them as well. They weren't. I, I didn't. They weren't kind of historical hats, or they, and they weren't kind of costume hats. They were no. definitely hats that I wore regularly. Hmm. Um, but there was a variety of them, and it was. It was. I always had a hat on. Basically, I got a hat for Christmas. Did you? What sort? Uh, a North Face beanie, mm. black. That's what I like because it keeps my. Keeps my head warm, but I, I, I have, I have had hats. Tend to be baseball caps. Hmm. Um, I lost one of my favourite hats. Sun hat. Oh, what was that? Kind of like a Peaky Blinder cap. Oh, nice. Nice. Really expensive and very cool. Ooh, very good. Yeah. Very good, like Madonna's ex-husband, Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. Yeah, a bit like one yes. of those. Mm, very cool. So, um, there, I'm a hat man. You are to a certain extent. Mm. I still have a variety of hats. Um, now, if we think about the history of hats. From my perspective, there is, first up, I think the 
variety of choice that I have. So I've got um, a kind of sort of, uh, it's like a trilby, isn't it? It's a it's a sort of tweed trilby. Mm. It's not quite a fedora. No, it's a sort of tweed trilby. Kind of, yeah. And I've got a number of baseball caps and I've got a number of sun hats and I've got a number of beanies. And I've also, because I wear hats all the time, particularly to the pub, there are pubs all over Devon oh. which have my hats, which I've left behind, which is really annoying. Um, but the variety of hats... Is a, is a kind of a modern thing, isn't it? So there was there never used to be such a variety of hats. You had everyone wore hats; they were yes. much more common. But there was far you'd have a certain you would yeah you'd have a certain less choice, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you you have hair for hats. What does that mean? You have short shortish hair that sort of stays in place, whereas I have these kind of this sort of Hugh Grant sort of floppy bangs, and if I put a hat on, I get hat hair. Oh, okay. Which puts me off wearing hats. That's interesting. Whereas I think a shorter shorter hat. You and Dan Snow have sort of hat, hat hatable hair, mm. a sort of shorter hair that mm. can wear a can wear a hat. It's the kind of hat. It's why you're so televisual because <laughs> you <laughs> you have a haircut that kind of that sort of stays. Whereas my, you know, if the wind blows, my hair's all oh, okay. Maybe that means you should all wear over them. the place. Anyway, so there are all sorts of wonderful hats in history, and yes. um, I think we want to talk about the different Some ways you them. can think about it. Yes, I just started to make a little list of uh, historical hats because I was interested in them. Um, and through a bit of Googling, I came up with 10 gallon. Oh, a cowboy hat. Yeah, but it's got nothing to do with the amount of gallons of, of, of liquid you could keep in your hat. It's why, to do with why, decoration. It? It's to do with, the, it, it's linked to the Spanish word for mm. decoration and tassels. Mm. So it's actually, it was, a, it, it, was a, it was a hat from Spanish origin. Mm. Um, fedora, flat cap, peak cap, baseball cap, bonnets, boaters, stovepipes, top hats. There's an extraordinary amount of variety, isn't it? Helmets to hard hats, nightcaps, bonnets, boaters, top hats, fezzes, schoolboys hats, ladies at Ascot, hats of office, crowns, mitres, papal hats, crowns. Oh, yes. Purposes of hat, protection, keeping the sun off to look smart, fashion. Yeah. Keeping things under your hat. Mm. I'm really interested in this. And if I had some more time... and Marmalade was, sandwiches. Well, that's a pretty obvious. Lincoln, yes. apparently, kept important letters. You know, he was very well known for Abraham Lincoln for yes. having those big stovepipe hats. He used to keep letters, important letters, under his hat. Mm. I'm not sure if that's untrue, but I hope it's not untrue. No. I'd like to think, because Lincoln's... Well, I'm rather fond of Lincoln. I thought yes. he was excellent. Um, and what's, what's, what's also noticeable is famous historical figures, particularly like Lincoln are associated with particular kinds of hats. Aha. If you think about, you know, Nelson and yes. his hat, Napoleon. Nelson had about... an eye shade attached to his hat. Did he? Yeah. Did he now? Which was, uh, uh, he, was uh, he was blinded. Yeah. Um, one of his eyes was damaged and he had a special um, special eye eye patch. Hmm. It was kind of, it wasn't even a patch. It was, a, it was, a, it was like a green shade that he could mm. flip down from his hat. Mm. Um, and his hat was made by... Um, Lock and Co. Do you know who they are? Uh, they are James Lock and Co. You're going to tell me about Lock and Co. A famous hat makers. They are in London. Yes, St James, just up yes. from St James's, yes. up the yes. hill from St James's Palace, and it's one of the oldest hat shops. There's another very famous wine shop down there as well, Berry Brothers, mm. I think. Mm. Um, mm. Anyway, it's very, it's, it's a good place. But it's about people's identity. Aha, there we go. You know, it's about the hat is about identity. People that are associated with a particular style, a particular particular hat. Or wearing, and that's linked to me kind of collect, collecting hats before. Yeah. I know what you say, because I was into hats at a time when I was at school and everyone was wearing a school uniform. Yeah. And the one thing that you could do is wear a hat. Yeah. Well, you probably mm. couldn't, but it allowed me to, to, to demonstrate some kind of identity quite quickly and easily. Mm. And it didn't matter what sort of hat it was, but it just had to be a hat. But what you're talking about is 
hat, like a specific hat yeah. linked to an identity. But the, that you have, yeah, that, that becomes a that becomes something that people can readily identify you with. That when you're a public figure like that, it becomes part of your yeah. part of your personality, part of your image. But that's something that uh, cinema costume designers have very much grabbed hold of and gone with. So you have famous characters with hats. So you've got uh, top of my head. John Wayne. Think about John Wayne with his cowboy Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones, yeah. Gandalf. Yeah, yeah, wizard hat. Mm. The cat in the hat himself, Dr. Seuss. But uh, yeah, so... The sorting hat. That's good. In Harry Potter. But it's amazing just how powerfully symbolic the hat is in in being able to, to, I think, link with identity. Yeah. But also there's there's this this kind of the, the way you wear your hat as well. Yes. You can have it, it can it can tell so much about your character. Yeah. Um in the jaunty past, hat. Jaunty so, hat yeah. or the um we talked about one briefly when we were doing chairs. Do you remember that? Yes. We do a podcast in the history of chairs, and I found a picture of a chap lying uh, tilting his hat off over duty his, yeah. on a deck chair on a steamship, but he was in uniform, but he was very obviously uh, off duty because he he had he had closed his hat. His hat was over his eyes, and it was yeah. it was the the hat as a kind of a sign saying we've we've gone shopping back in ten minutes. The etiquette of the hat. Mm. So rather like with gloves, where we talked about when when and when not to wear gloves. Rather like with uh, chairs, where we talked about when to sit down and when not when to stand up. Yeah. In sort of polite company, the etiquette of the hat: when to wear a hat and when not to wear a hat. When to carry a hat. When to carry a That's hat. That's important for uniform, isn't it? To sort of doff your hat or tip your hat—a nineteenth, twentieth-century Western thing—to tip your hat to a stranger, uh, to take a hat off in front of a woman when you come inside. Polite to sort of take your hat off when you're in church. Mm. You would you would not you would remove a hat. When you're in the presence of a social superior, you'd um, take a take your take your hat off. It's rather like gloves, isn't it? Yeah, Everyone should listen absolutely. to our podcast on gloves. Yes, it's also one of our favourites because James is slightly obsessed by gloves. But a lot of what we're saying here is is applicable to that. So if you yeah. think of how you do an object history of a hat, yeah, you could do it in a very sort of similar, a very sort of similar way. You look at the first of all, you look at materials and manufacture. And you look at, um, you know, what hats are made of. And some of the sort of earlier hats are made of felt, yep. which we're talking about um, beaver skin and, and rabbit skin and the felt being taken off, sometimes wool, and it's sort of made into felt and then shaped. Um, and you can look at trade and, and practical, you know, techniques. You can then look at fashion, um, fashion and design of hats. Um you can then think about how much things cost. You can then think about social hierarchies of hats. Some very good stuff, I think. By um, hats are particularly good for that, aren't they? Because you have yeah. you have the crown, but you have the bishop's mitre. Yes, yes. There are all sorts of yes. extraordinary hats. There's um, a really good um, article um, by Maria Haywood, I think, on hats at the court of Henry VIII, huh. which looks at a whole range of hats that survive of uh, various sort of. Um, various sort of designs and types that would be worn by sort of young boys through to courtiers. They're all graded socially. Henry VIII was obsessed with with headgear really? as well. Yeah. It's interesting about the age. I've not considered that. I've thought of yeah. what you have well, a young hats boys for cap, d- different activities, you know, but yeah. young boys' caps. Yeah, school boys' caps that would denote something that was that's quite functional and and formal rather than something that is sort of more elaborate and elegant of that's befitting somebody that's older. I might be wrong here, but I'm, I'm imagining like so schools in the 30s and 40s. I think of my son putting him back there. He'd be in shorts and he'd have a little school, school cap. cap. School cap. 
I when mean, did that go? And, cer- and certain schools will still have that as part Probably. of the as part of the school uniform. Um, the school our kids go to have yeah. a, have actually have a really hideous uh, cap that you can buy in the summer that looks like um, one of those caps that you'd you'd imagine the French Foreign Legion. <laughs> where, you know those caps <laughs> wow. where they have where they have the the sort of the flaps down the yeah very distinctive. That's a very yeah. distinctive military hat, yeah, isn't it? But, but um, imagine a four year old and five year old wearing a hat like that. My two just refuse to wear it, <laughs> but it is standard. We had to buy it because it was sort of standard school uniform. But hat etiquette, doffing your hat mm. to a social superior, and the kinds of hats that you that you'd wear across the world, you know, male and f- men's and women's hats. Let's let's think briefly on if you wanted to get into writing about the history of hats, how you'd actually do it. So what I want to do is just kind of explode this subject a little bit. So we've talked about etiquette, we've talked about all the different types of hats, yep. we've talked about the manufacture of hats. So yep. you might sort of select a hat type. You might then select a period. Um, a specific location within that period, a gender of the hat yep. wearer. I mean, um, the, one of the best things would be to go to a big hat collection. Mm. And did you know Exeter has one of the largest hat collections in the country? At the I had museum. no idea. Yeah, at the, mu- at the local museum. There's a brilliant sort of hat collection. It's got, you know, dozens and dozens of hats. Rougemont, Rougemont House collection right. of hats. Or the Victorian Albert Museum mm-hmm. in London, if you go onto their website and have a look at their historical hat collections and there are some amazing uh, collections of hats have a look at this hat that i've got here um this is a 17th century um felt hat oh it's a cracker that's a um guy fawkes hat if ever i've seen one yeah it's, um that's what that says to me or a witch finder general it's hat. a witch it's a witch it's a witch's hat oh is it um, it's a sort of well it's a, well it's Summon. a sort of, it's a sort of felt hat that sort of becomes a, a witch's hat I had one of the curators of uh, fashion there. I heard her give a brilliant talk about the techniques behind uh, felt hats and the way in which uh, hats change gender. So this, so what she talks, what she talked to basically about was this sort of this hat that looks like a sort of Puritan, or, yeah, Witchfinder General's sort of felt hat. There's, the some, way there's something was, of the top hat about it, but it's got a is. broader brim. Yeah. So what would happen is you would have this um, the procedure in the 17th century. Is that you would you would make the felt uh, from fur, either beaver or rabbit, uh, which you removed from the pelt, and you you felted it into a cone shaped hood, which is what we have there, and then you give it to a hatter, and then the hatter basically takes that hood and shapes it over a wooden block into the desired shape, and then puts a a brim or crown uh, on them, and the hats were then dyed, um, and this was a hat that would have been worn by, you know, all sorts of people, men and women, a very, very common form of hat. But by the sort of, um, I suppose, by the sort of mid-17th century, particularly in America, it is becoming associated with witches. Uh, and so we have the rise of the, of the witches of the witch's hat. I'm just going to stop because my dog's being sick in the corner. Oh, no. <laughs> Mo, are you okay? The history of vomit. <laughs> Dog vomit. Oh, Mo. You've obviously been eating something terrible. Yeah. Well, we'll leave that in. <laughs> yes. We have vomit in the. Oh wow! It doesn't smell too bad yet. <laughs> I'm sure as this as it heats up, uh. the smell of vomit will waft across. No. So what we were talking about was the before Mo's um, vomitatus Very in the behaved. in the corner. Um, it was basically the the 
the way in which a felt hat might be produced, the way in which it was worn by everyone. It started off as a hat that was associated with with men yeah. as well as women, and then and then changes gender and becomes associated with witches. A gender changing hat. A gender changing hat. Isn't that extraordinary? That is extraordinary. Do you ever hear? Do you ever listen to the Moral Maze? Did you ever listen to the Moral Maze? Mm, yes, I have once which or had, twice. Had David Starkey on it. One of okay. David Starkey's most poisonous put downs. Brilliant historian, uh, but he, you know, he knows that he's, uh, you know, he has a a, a sharp tongue. Put down one, a female. Put down one, a female person who was basically being interrogated by the by the people uh, in the maze as a a woman. He asked her, um, "Do you wear hats?" And she said, "No. Why do you ask? Oh, you just look like a woman who wore hats." <laughs> so it was wow, a kind of way kind of, of whistling. Way, there, there's what obviously something mean? associated with, but it's like yeah. a sort of. Uh, it's the kind of woman who, you know, when she goes out and goes to church and would always dress up in a particular way and, you know, not just ascot and weddings, but would sort of, yeah. you know, the hat has become associated rather like hyacinth bouquet yeah. and keeping up appearances. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yep. Well, I'm proud of wearing hats. I think one of the most interesting hats that I've seen recently is the hats in the Handmaid's Tale. Oh, the bonnets, extraordinary! Aren't yes. they cool? Yes, very so, cool. So um, it's uh, uh, Margaret Atwood's uh, novel, which came. It's been very famous this year for the TV um, t- TV depiction of it, and the um, the handmaids in the TV show, and also described in the book, they have these extraordinary bonnets, which are put in place to control. Yeah, the women. So yeah. their faces cannot be seen unless you are standing directly in front of them, and there it also affects and controls their peripheral vision. Uh, so they can only see in a straight line directly like ahead of blinkers, them, blinkers, like blinkers on, the, on, yeah. on, on a horse. Yeah. Um, and what's wonderful? What well, wonderful? I mean, it's. Um, I think it's a very, very powerful image. The, the there's a, a lot been written actually about the the costume in The Handmaid's Tale, but the we you know with the red cloak as well yeah. and the, the, yeah, the yeah. strange shoes. But the um, Margaret Atwood was interviewed about it, and she had a specific influence behind the idea of of these bonnets, which were known as wings. And this is it. 
Uh, I was thinking Dutch. Yes, I was thinking the Dutch bonnets. Yeah, so yes. describe what we've got there. So we made, it, it's a poster that says Old Dutch Cleanser Chases Dirt, and it is a a Dutch-looking maid in a black dress with a with an apron, mm-hmm. uh, with a stick and wearing clogs and with a, a bonnet. Yes, but with this particularly um, large bonnet, which goes almost down at an angle from her chin. Yes. And, and it would control the, what you can see and how you are seen. Um, and I, I think that there's a fascinating history in hats and social control. Yes. Which... You didn't see French and Saunders' uh, Christmas 300 Years of French and Saunders, no. where they did a spoof of The Handmaid's Tale. I did and Dawn French comes out with, with like a, a metre-long hat, <laughs> and basically banging into everything. Can't walk in a straight line. Absolutely superb. You can't see The Handmaid's Tale and not smirk. Okay. Okay. Um, so anyway, I like that. I think there's there's a there's an interesting history of um, hats and social, social control. control, and we should also link that to the veil and clothing Ooh. and the burqa, and we should do dress the dr- the dress. Yep. As a as yeah. a podcast, I'm going to talk about hats and education. We talked a little bit about um, we talked a little bit about the uh, schoolboy cap. Think about the mortarboard uh, that's associated with. Um, Sort of universities and Oxford and scholars. Mortarboards are weird. Where did that come from? Because when you get a PhD, we, yes. you and I are both lucky in that we have PhDs. You don't. You you get something else, don't you? You get a kind of floppy hat. Yes, I refuse to. I go to. Do grad, they have particular? Names I go to graduation. The floppy hat. Okay. I go to graduation <laughs> every year, and um, and I have I put on my doctoral gown, and I refuse. Again, it's the hair. Oh, it's okay. the hair. The floppy, you, you, you the floppy hat. To wear it. I refuse to wear the hat. So I'm the only person walking up and sitting on the stage in front of all the parents and graduates uh, who's not wearing a hat. Well, maybe I, think carry maybe, I carry it. Oh, right. So they don't think you're maybe not, think you're not good important. enough. Maybe very important. So yes, unimportant. You weren't allowed to have it. So unimportant that I don't have it. Or your hat was taken away by some kind of... <laughs> hat fairy. <laughs> the dunce's hat. Oh, Ooh, okay, so, is that um, a real thing? I never... It is a real thing. It is a real thing. I imagine it's a kind of a coney literally, thing with a, a D co- on the front. It's a coney thing with a D on the front made out of, of newspaper. Um, Let's just pause. I'm going to let Mo in. He's stopped being sick. Geronimo, are you okay? Come Geronimo, come in. Wipe your mouth. Not on me. Sit down. You've been disgusting. <laughs> so the dunce's cap, yes, is absolutely, absolutely true. The dunce, um, it, it can't, the derivation of it comes from the Scottish... Uh, scholastic theologian and philosopher John Duns Scotus, so 13th, 14th century um, theologian, uh, who who put put forward a, a particular um, brand of sort of scholastic philosophy in universities from the 14th century onwards. So this is before you get the rise of Renaissance humanism, and basically the followers of of Duns Scotus were called dunces. Or dunsmen, right? Um, in the 16th century, when they argued against Renaissance humanism, so Renaissance humanism emerged as a in sort of opposition uh, to this sort of earlier scholastic thought, um, and it became in the mouths of Protestants a term of abuse. And so, what we see is this sort of this um, this term being later applied to school children. Mm-hmm. One of the first references to Dunces is in John Ford's 1624 play, um, that where it refers to a the dunce table, uh, and then it also crops up 
in Dickens's Old Curiosity Shop. What's a dunce table? That's an interesting. A thing. dunce table is the table that dunces would sit around. Right. Okay. So where the so those who were those who were either you know the fools of the class yeah. or were you know the clowns or misbehaved. So it comes or whatever, back to public humiliation, it, it, which it is does. a theme of ours. Weirdly, it does. Um, it chairs. Does. There was a chairs. Yeah. Yes. Um, I had a I had a uh, uh, somebody who's in my class at school called Alistair Bailey, who was very naughty. Um, but it had almost had a, a sort of dunce table. Mm-hmm. The teacher couldn't control him, and so he basically put him at the front of the class with a large blackboard, fencing him in, mm. uh, so that the class he couldn't disturb the class. Mm. And he had his own little desk in there, kind of like a sort of almost sort of dunce's corner mm. for him. But in the old Curiosity Shop, uh, the character Nell and her grandfather come across a, a school, and they're wandering. They're wandering around it, and I'll just read a little bit of this. I, sir, cried the old man, and the stay and comfort of my life. Come in, said the schoolmaster. Without further preface, he conducted them into his little schoolroom, which was parlour and kitchen likewise, and told them that they were welcome to remain under his roof till morning. Before they had done thanking him, he spread a coarse white tablecloth upon the table with knives and platters, and bringing out some bread and cold meat and a jug of beer, besought them to eat and drink. The child looked round the room as she took her seat. There were a couple of forms. Now, these forms are—we could have done this when we looked at chairs. Forms are these sort of um, bench, wooden benches without a without a back, notched and cut and inked all over. A small deal desk perched on four legs, at which no doubt the master sat. A few dog's-eared books upon a high shelf, and beside them a motley collection of peg tops, balls, kites, fishing lines, marbles, half-eaten apples, and other confiscated property of idle urchins. So you've got that sort of motif of. of you know, of punishment there, displayed on hooks upon the wall in all their terrors were the cane and the ruler, and near them on a small shelf of its own the dunce's cap, made of old newspapers and decorated with glaring wafers of the largest size. Hmm. One of our earliest mentions of the dunce's cap. It's extraordinary, isn't it? I, yes. It must really affect you having to stand Humiliation. up. A, yeah, really terrible. But it's interesting they make it out of newspapers. Yes. Would it be easy to come by? Very easy to come by. Easy to make into a cone. Easy as well. to make easy to make into a cone and portable and you could throw it away. And but the idea was that you would then stand the child in the corner by his or herself. Yeah. And you know, facing the other way, being being ridiculed. This kind of thing goes on today at at schools, uh, including, I found, the the schools that our, our children go to. Hmm. Teachers will put children outside. In the corridor for misbehaving, wow, and won't let them back in. Hmm. This idea of a hat being used for humiliation raises the interesting question of this hat. Oh my word! What on earth is that? That looks like a. Describe it to me. I've no idea what it. So <laughs> it's it's almost beyond description. <laughs> it is. It it's like a hat invented by a mad Victorian scientist. Yes. Is it? A, it looks like a gramophone hat almost. <laughs> it is does. It? So. This is uh, right. It's let's try and describe it. It's it's, it's roughly the size of a top hat, um, not a very tall, not like a stovepipe hat. So yeah. it's like a normal top hat. It's got approximately one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twenty, thirty, forty, sixty, or seventy yeah. um, vertical levers all the way around it. It's got a brim with even more levers attached to it, yeah. and it's got a top that pops up. In the middle of which is something 
that looks like a gramophone. There are lots of little spikes. Yep. This, my friend, is something called a conformateur. It, it looks like a torture device. It looks like like a steampunk hat is the only way I could describe it. Yeah. This is a Victorian invention for measuring your head. Now, that's all to do with the fact that everyone has different shaped heads. Yes. Dramatically different shaped heads. So if you look vertically down on your head, it yep. would be like a it might be like a monkey nut shape. Mm. Like a figure of eight, or it might be kind of big at the front and small at the back. So everyone's mm. head's mm. different shape. Mm. And um at this period where everyone else was trying to harness machine manufacture, hatters went the other way because they wanted to custom build you the perfect hat. And you can't do that if you're making hats off blocks and you're making mm. um, you know, tens of thousands of hats at the time. So this is like a really interesting period in the industrial revolution when they were trying to come up with a machine they tried to harness modern technology to enable them to make you a more personalized hat hmm. so what happened is that you put this thing on you kind of press a button and it, it sort of kind of clamps to your head like a victorian octopus a victorian hmm. mechanical octopus all the way around and then when it settles into position it hmm. perforates a piece of paper hmm. and you, How extraordinary. It is extraordinary. So then you take out the piece of paper from the top and it gives you an exact measurement and drawing of the shape and the measurements of your head. And then you would make a and then, then you would make a hat out. That enables you to, to, to make a a personalized hat which is guaranteed to fit your head. Have you ever had a hat made? No, I'd love like to that. have a hat made. Properly. Yeah. I don't know what sort I'd have. I'd probably have I'd probably have a fancy version of my knackered trilby thing. Yeah. Famous hats. We've talked about famous hats. They survive. That's outstanding. That is supposed to be Oliver Cromwell's hat. That's like the um that survives. That's like the seventeenth century what I call the Guy Fawkes hat. Yes. But it's it's got an enormous brim. Yes. It looks like a sort of Puritan. It looks hat. like a black dustbin lid with a kind of vertical bit for your heed to go in. Does it's Nelson's like... hat survive? Have we got all the sort of paraphernalia of, of Nelson? Um, we have a lot of it. I, I, I'm guessing we do. Hats as relics are really interesting. Yes, so absolutely. kind of you know we've talked about gloves surviving as relics, and I mean hats as well. I mean Edmund Campion, you know the, the Jesuit um, priest and martyr, um, Elizabethan England. Um, his hat survives uh, supposedly oh. in Prague, um, and and what you've got is something that is readily associated with somebody um, that that forms. A relic. That's interesting. Mm. Nelson is. I actually don't know off the top of my head if his hat survives, but well, I do. Church, know, he Churchill. Had, he had a hat decoration. He was given this um, amazing kind of rotating jewel thing, which mm. perched on on his hat for winning the Battle of the Nile in 1798. So hat decorations mm. is a really interesting thing. So you're using the hat to decorate your head, but then you're decorating the hat with something else. Um, some of it was unique. You get feathers. You get all sorts of things. I always think a feather in a cap looks rather good. Um, Abraham Lincoln's top hat survives at the National Museum of America. That's amazing. There we are. I wonder about hat decorations. I want to do. I, I'd like to know about hat decorations. Oh, that's so cool, isn't it? Good. Yeah, that's that is Abraham Tell you Lincoln's what, when top I, hat. When I got given that talk by the by um, Susan North at the VNA uh, about that witch's hat, it was incredible having that. Um, it was absolutely incredible, sort of seeing the hat in front of you. Yeah. I'm used to looking at documents. I'm used to. Lo I'm also used to looking at objects. But I just found it one of the most extraordinary things that um, that I'd looked at. I also went the same day or the same trip. I went to the Museum of London 
and was given a brilliant um, workshop on gloves by Timothy Long, brilliant um, curator of fashion there. Mm -hmm. And he had just come back from Leiden, where he'd been on a course to basically um, date uh, historical fabrics. Right. And he reckoned that he could now, he basically had the scientific methodology to date things between three to five years accuracy. So you could go back and and that's extraordinary and, and analyze that. And he had he was working on um, some 16th century Elizabethan um, play costumes, mm-hmm. and he had these sort of remarkable hats yeah. from the Elizabethan stage there mm-hmm. that they were they were researching on. I haven't been in touch to sort of see what happened, but we should I should definitely get back in touch and find out. What he found. I love that. And I'm just looking at the, the blurb here about Lincoln's hat. This is really interesting. This raises something else about why you might choose to wear a hat. Mm. At six foot four inches tall, Lincoln towered over most of his contemporaries anyway. But he chose to stand out even more by wearing a particularly tall top hat. Brilliant. Um, and he decorated his. We were also talking about Nelson's um, de- hat decoration. And uh, Lincoln decorated his with a um, black silk mourning band in remembrance of his son, Willie. Hmm. Um, more on hat decorations. Please get in touch with us. We haven't talked about helmets or crowns or I, anything like that. No, I, I, I once saw an amazing helmet for sale um, in uh, something called the Lanes Armoury, which is my favourite antique shop. Hello, the Lanes Armoury. It's in Brighton in the Lanes. And they've got all sorts of wonderful militaria. And one of the things I had, they had a, a kind of a classic German... Um, army soldiers uh, uh, second world war helmet with a with a bullet hole you know just sort of at the top mm. um i was i was kind of always profoundly moved by that i don't know i like i liked the, the sort of the personal nature of the story of, of the hat it was there's obviously a story behind it with a bullet hole mm. just really kind of struck me mm. very good mm. well um get in touch please with your Hat wonderful tales. hat hat tales and hat histories. Um, any of you hat makers, uh, get in touch as well. Yeah, We'd like to learn much more about making of hats. Yes, and who wore them? How? What? You know, if they've got stories of um of people taking off hats in strange situations or behaving weirdly around hats, we'd love to hear them. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, and tell all your friends. We're on Twitter. You can follow me at Dr Sam Willis, and you can follow me at James Daybell, and you can follow Histories of the Unexpected on. At Unexpected Pod, we are truly proud to be part of the excellent History Hit Network, home of Dan Snow's History Hit and other great shows. And if you like what you hear, when you can find out more about what we've got coming up, all sorts of things like that, notes, um, video clips and just just more material, basically, on at historyhit.com forward slash unexpected. Bye. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.